Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Ante Up is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But Ante Up is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. Ante Up, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's June 5th, 2020. You're listening to the best PokerCast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. Uh, lots of scandal news today. Well, hey, let's be happy for what we can be happy about, right? Yes. Uh, the last 47 shows, we let off with, when are poker rooms going to reopen? When are they going to look like they're reopen? Here are the poker rooms are reopening. <laughs> so this is the first show in seven years, it seems like, where we're starting off with something other than poker rooms reopening. Yay. Of course, it's it's two stories about scandals, of course. But, you know, so. <laughs> Yeah, be super excited, but we could be excited for what we have, right? That's kind of what we've been telling everybody. Yeah, we're telling about talking about news. This is news. We're doing good by them. <laughs> Don't worry. All right, a U.S. district judge has dismissed the cases against Mike Postel, the parent company of Stone's Gambling Hall, and its employee Justin Caritas, in which the plaintiffs in the case alleged that Postel had uh, had help in cheating fellow players in live stream games at the poker room. The judge cited case law showing that California public policy doesn't permit judicial intervention in gambling disputes because of the speculative nature of gambling. The judge also dismissed claims for sanctions against Postal for allegedly having an attorney ghostwrite his filings and also a libel claim one of the plaintiffs, Veronica Brill, filed. The judge took issue with a lack of specificity. Specific- <laughs> I knew you were going to ruin that. I knew it. The lack of specifics. There we go. And the amount of money plaintiffs claimed they were cheating out of. And also, the plaintiffs failed to identify Apostle's alleged accomplice. The plaintiffs have not said yet whether they will appeal the decision, but their attorney, Mac uh, Verstandig, told Poker News that the law that the judge based his decision on dates to 1851. And while he was overall disappointed in the rulings, the judge left open the possibility of the plaintiffs being able to recover at least the amount of rake from the live stream games in future filings. Uh, well, one of the things I... I was wondering about is can they take this case now and do like um like you remember when uh the civil suit for OJ Simpson yeah. right yeah. can they do that with this you think uh, that's a good question I don't know um I actually wondered that too so I imagine we'll probably get some clarity on that in the in the coming days cuz obviously this happened yesterday so yeah. um we don't have a lot of information yet. Uh, I would think uh, a couple things that I'm, I'm curious about on that is one, um, all all of the 
points in this case except for that rake item at the end uh, where with prejudice a term that you and I have recently come in knowledge yeah. of. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, I mean, they, they can only be appealed. They can't be filed again. Uh, now, I don't know whether that uh, extends to civil lawsuits as well, too. So, you know, um, so that that's one. Again, I'm not an attorney, so uh, I'm sure attorney yeah. listeners know um, what that what that is. Uh, secondly, though, even if it can, I'd be curious what – the, the case law doesn't change, right? So if, it, if, if this was based on – of course, this is one judge's opinion, right? Um, but it's based on the fact that California law doesn't allow you to go after gambling losses. I don't know really what your argument is in the civil suit because yeah. that's essentially what you're trying to recover, right? right. So, um, you know, I think the ghost uh, judge – look, I called him a ghost because we have so many ghosts today on the show. <laughs> um, you know, the judge made the point that uh, other states have updated their laws on this, um, but California just isn't one of them. So um, – yeah, uh, I don't know. I'd be interested. Um, obviously, I'm going to be interested to see the what happens next in all this. So um, it seems like it came to a very abrupt end, much quicker than I thought it would. Yeah, right. I was I shocked mean, when I saw that on Facebook because you know we yeah. follow a bunch of people. Like last night I was at dinner. I'm like, whoa, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> we just had a couple hearings, didn't we? Wow. Uh, but that's that's the way it goes. So. Um, <clears throat> Uh, so, uh, you know, obviously I think a lot of poker players are going to be disappointed in this. Um, you know, again, this is one of those reasons that you and I always say alleged and stuff. It's our journalism training because, yeah. you know, wait until somebody's convicted or something. I mean, I, I'm sorry, this is a, this is actually was a civil suit. I should have back up. Um, this so was a, a civil suit. Yeah. So okay. I don't know if there's a criminal element. Uh, going on, I actually haven't heard that. So yeah, I should have clarified that. Um, okay, but so anyhow. if it's civil, then they can't they can't go after him again because that's it. It's well, it's yeah, but I mean, there there could be obviously be criminal charges, right? Yes. Oh so, yeah, well, uh, which would be different. And then wow, yeah, I can't believe I just messed that all up. But yeah, so I mean, that would be a, a criminal case if there is one would be different than this case law because it's not these people are trying the plaintiffs were trying to collect on gambling losses, right? Right. So a criminal case would not be that. A criminal case would be um, some of the same elements, you know, fraud or, or or theft or stuff like that. So which would not necessarily, I don't think, uh, apply there. Uh, but then again, I'm not aware of, of that going on right now. I could be wrong because there's been so much of this going, so many back and forth on this. Uh, maybe I missed that, but that that would be the the next step. If it is now, I don't know if that's whether that helps plaintiffs at all, <laughs> or if that's just punishment. You yeah, know, yeah. again, you know, I think there's there's two sides of this. Some folks just want to see him punished, and other folks obviously want restitution. So, um, you know, it depends on what you're looking for, um, what you're going to be happy with, if that happens. But, um, you know, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, uh, the other thing I'll say too is, you know, this is one of the things that uh, my problems with this case from the beginning were that. The uh, the lack of proof of the cheating, um, you know, again, we have all these hours of videos that um, these folks have analyzed, um, but they haven't, you know, they didn't really, they didn't show how it happened, right? That, that, that was the missing part of the gun and all this. There's plenty of smoke, but the gun was missing because they couldn't figure out how it actually happened. Um and, you know, when we talk about some of these hearings before, it sounded like, you know, this might come out in the actual trial, but <laughs> not being a trial. So, yeah, just missed it. So maybe, you know, if they had that that proof, they 
probably would have helped their case by presenting it earlier, um, which makes me think that they didn't have it. So exactly. Um, um, so that's interesting. One of the things that I, when I see stuff like this, uh, I'm not saying he did or he didn't. We, you and I have never said whether we thought he did or he didn't. We said a lot of things pointing to it looking like he did, but we, we like you said, the journalists and us, we just we always reserve judgment until he admits he did it or until they find him guilty of it or whatever. So, um, but imagine if he didn't do it. All right, let's just say it's just a bunch of unbelievable coincidences that strung together. This guy won a bunch, did some weird things, looked at his phone a lot, whatever. But let's just say he didn't do it. I mean, he's screwed anyway now. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. he, I mean, he can never play poker live again exactly. without getting his ass beat or being thrown out or everyone leaving the table or just abusing the hell out of him or wherever he goes, anywhere near a poker room, he's screwed for the rest of his life. Yep. So he's going to have to play online and he's going to have to do it in another state because he lives in California, I think. Yeah. Yep. So unless he wants to play in other rooms, well, he could play in some rooms, you know, still in California. But I mean, you know, if he wants to play like poker stars or something, he's going to have to move. And so, I mean, this guy is screwed, whether he did it or not. Now he's saying now he when he gets this sort of a ruling, he should be free to go do whatever he wants now, whether he cheated or not. But he won't be able to. It'll be like Russ Hamilton when he showed up in South Florida and, you know, people wanted to beat him with a stick. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I just... If he didn't do it, this is going to be tragic. If he did do it, then I think he's getting at least some sort of punishment out of it because he can never yeah, show his face anywhere. Great way of looking at it. I mean, if if there is guilt here, then it doesn't matter. the The only thing really you lack in the lawsuit being tossed out is the restitution. Which, you know, yeah. yeah. If I'm one that felt I got cheated, I, I would not be happy with that. I would want my money back, right? So. I'm not dismissing that, but um, but there is a level of punishment here that is severe, um, regardless. Um, so then, to take your second point, yeah, if he didn't do it, then that's pretty uh, that's an incredible punishment for for that. So yeah, because he has no recourse. See, if he did do it, then all the players can say, well, at least he can't play anywhere ever again, and he's going to be miserable and he can't enjoy the thing he loves to do most. But if he didn't do it, he has no recourse. He he can't now be like. Um, I feel vindicated. I'm relieved. No, now he's still miserable. He still can't play ever again, like without it just being the worst experience of his life. Um, and so it's it's really a terrible, terrible thing. And if he did cheat, you know, he brought this all on himself. If he didn't cheat, oh man, that just sucks for him. You know, it's just a cruel world as it is anyway. Um, but I'm not saying that he did or didn't do it. I'm just saying, what if? You know, that's just that would be terrible if he didn't cheat and he's going through this for nothing. You know, yeah. So the the lack of specifics were were really kind of odd to me as well too. I mean, you know, so they they were suing Postal, they were suing the poker room, and then they're suing the tournament director. But they never come out and said the tournament director was the accomplice, right? Right. This is what most people assume, and I don't. So I, I don't understand that. I mean, I, I it, you know, you're filing a lawsuit, so you need to be saying what you think happened, right? So. Um, I, there's a lot about this. I just really hope it comes out later on. I mean, this, uh, this attorney is, is really well known for representing gaming cases. Um, so, you know, I, you know, obviously he needs to close up this case and get, get what he can for his clients out of it. Um, it seems like on this rake thing and, and obviously they could appeal the whole thing too. All right. So, um, 
so I don't know how long it'll take before we get that out. But that that's the interview I really want to hear now is, you know, hey, how come you guys couldn't be more specific in your allegations here? Because there's so many people in the poker world that are convinced that it's that this happened. Right. Yeah. So um, now we always said that. I mean, just because you watch a video and you think it's that's proof doesn't mean it's actual proof. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to guess that's probably what what the attorney thought as well, too. But um if that was the case, then I'm like, then why why not wait until you feel like you had a little bit more proof? Right. If that was weak, why'd you present that case weak? Because right. again, this isn't one of those things where things are are done behind closed doors. This there was hours and hours of videotape, as we know yeah. of it. So now, of course, you can't prove what was going on in the booth there because there's no videotape of that, and that's really where they needed the help at. But. Um, it just seems like now, based on what the judge said, and I would think you would you might go into this knowing this 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 law. I mean, maybe not, but um, so I would think you would go in knowing that you have a pretty higher higher a higher burden than in other states to to, to prevail here. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Um, so um, I'm sure we obviously we have not heard the end of it, and um, it will be interesting to me hear more as it comes out. But yeah. Crazy that is yeah, over this quickly. Yeah, absolutely, almost over this quickly. I couldn't believe it when I saw it last night. I just couldn't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's go on to one more scandal before we get back to poker rooms reopening. <laughs> All right, so Dan Jungleman Dan Cates has responded to claims that he was ghosting uh, an account on a private poker app uh, by saying he was, uh, but he also thought that many pros were doing it as well. Uh, Bill Perkins made the accusation in a tweet last week without naming names, but Cates was eventually outed by Dan Bilzerian, who Cates maintains he never played against in the private games. Cates apologized for his actions, says he'll hold himself to a higher standard going forward. Um, yeah, okay, so because they're doing it, I can do it too... Is that what he's saying? You know, I, I yeah, that's, it's, it's wrong, dude. <laughs> don't don't deflect. Just take the high road and say I'm screwed up. You know. All right, here I'm not I'm not defending him at all because I I really I mean I, I got a whole thing about again the the poker pros on this alternate universe thing that I'll mention again. But um, you know, if if the understanding is that uh, or if you believe the understanding using this app is that. Uh, everybody knows that people are ghosting on accounts that I'll give you a little leeway on. <laughs> right. But the fact that everybody's ghosting on it is what kills it for me. <laughs> I'm like, w- w- why does that have to happen? Right. Right. So, I mean, it, it's an interesting way you can argue both ways on that. Um, let's saying, Hey, we all know everybody's ghosting on it. So, you know, what's your beef? You should know people are ghosting. Uh, okay, fine. But, why? Why do you need to go? Why don't you just play who you are? Well, and if there's... Of course, the argument is, if you play who you are, then people don't want to play against you because they know how good you are, right? Yeah, That's, if there's any chance at all, just just one player could go on this app and not know that people are ghosting, then you're wrong. There's no defense. Yeah. If you're all... If our home game guys got together and wrote an app and said, okay, only only we're going to play, but we're going to come in with freaky names and you got to try to figure out who we are and all that crap, and we're all consenting adults about this one app that we're going to use, that's, and we're not going to let anybody else use it, then it's fine. But the minute that a regular person can use this app and play in there and not have any idea that Kate's or Bilzerian or any of these other guys are playing, then there's a problem. Well, but even your first point, let's imagine that all the home games and then Chris Casenza, because I'll go ahead and pick on you, why not? Yeah, um, sure. 
you go out and get Doyle Brunson to play for you. Right. Uh, I mean, is that fair to the rest of us? No, no but I mean, if we all agree. No, but then the argument is that, okay, so you went out to get Doyle Brunson, so I went out and got Phil Ivey. <laughs> and Faso went out to get uh, Vanessa Russo. And then, so now the assumption, so then the fourth person is like, well, hey, everybody's doing it, so I might as well get my pro, right? Yeah. It's but, so weird. But I know, but I mean, at least in our case, we said, we're going to create this app, and we're going to admit to each other that we're going to get other people to play for us. If we all agree to it, then that's fine. And we don't care if I went and got Doyle or you went and got whoever. But it's well, in this case, that's not the case, I don't think. I think people can yeah. get on this app and play and not realize that they're playing against world-class players who, you know... But I think the justification here is that it's so well known that everybody does this that everybody should know. Oh, geez. Well, that's not right either. Hey, I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying that's his justification, right? So, which is all the more reason not to be doing any of this crazy stuff, I think. But again, that goes back to the whole alternate universe that these pros live on where this is normal for them. And it's completely not normal for us down on here on earth yeah yeah you're <laughs> right? right yeah you talked about that last week too yeah, yeah yeah it is that that's really what it comes down to it's it's just insane i mean i need to even explain this to people that that aren't in the poker world you just, you just can't so insane uh, just man just straighten up fly right man <laughs> what the <laughs> hell is going on with the poker world lately <laughs> right i mean i mean i mean think about where we are now we've got casinos opening up without poker rooms or with poker forehanded which is probably never going to take off right um you know online poker is only in a couple states still hopefully it's coming to more we'll see what happens and then the only other news we have out there are cheating cases being dismissed cheating cases that are oh yeah i did it but i didn't think i was wrong i think uh, really haven't. It hasn't been a good year for anybody on anything, but it has. It really hasn't been a good year for poker. Oh, we've been through it all, Scott, haven't we? Yeah, well, we haven't seen the murder hornets in poker rooms yet, so we know that they're coming. <laughs> all right, uh, here's this week's update on casinos and poker room reopenings. Uh, by our count, at least 42 poker rooms around the around the country are open or opening soon. Uh, South Point and Orleans are joining the Venetian as Las Vegas Poker Rooms reopening, even though they are limited to four-handed games. South Point has, however, petitioned the State Gaming Control Board to allow five-handed games. The Venetian has said it will offer $100 sit-and-goes that are four-handed. The Pepper Mill will offer uh, four-handed poker at its Reno and Wendover Casinos in Nevada. I'm going to stop you right there. So does the Pepper Mill own the Wendover Casino? Like, is that the name of it? It's the Wendover, yeah, right? Yeah, it's they own Pepper, it, right? Reno, Pepper Mill, Wendover. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, because we don't There's listen that way. There's also another casino, well, a couple other casinos in Wendover, but... Okay, yeah. but they own... Well, because we don't, we don't run it that way in the magazine, do we? We call it... We just call it Wendover in the magazine? I don't think we call it Pepper Mill Wendover, so that's why I was curious. Gotcha, I don't know. All right, so but they have two casinos, Pepper Mill. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Desert Diamond is reopening its two poker rooms near Phoenix uh, and in Tucson, while Talking Stick Resort, also near Phoenix, reopened with seven-handed tables with plexiglass dividers and four-handed tables without dividers. Wing Creek Hospitality is reopening its Florida poker rooms, uh, Pensacola Greyhound Track, and Creek at, uh, Entertainment Gretna today. Missouri casinos were allowed to reopen on June 1st, but none have announced when poker will resume. Iowa casinos are permitted to reopen as well, but none have announced when poker will resume. And Rivers Casino Pittsburgh will reopen on June 9th, uh, but as we mentioned before, poker is prohibited in Pennsylvania in the initial reopenings. And just to remind you, our reopen webpage at antiupmagazine.com slash reopen 
where we list verified details on casino poker room reopenings. And if you have any updates, email us at editor at antiupmagazine.com. And we also this week started emailing our weekly e-blast with updates that you can subscribe to on our homepage uh, at antiupmagazine.com. Speaking of that, our website is incredibly fast now. It's so nice. We, it's hosting and uh, helps. Yep. Yeah, we uh, we've had struggles over the years with the speed of it because we weren't on our own isolated server or whatever dedicated server. But we've made some changes. We hired a new company, and uh, this morning I I went on. I'm like, what the? Did I fall asleep? And then I woke up, and it was on, or did it go that fast? I, I don't. I was like, holy cow, our website is finally normal. Yeah. So yep. yeah, if you've ever gone to our website and been frustrated, and that's why you may not go back or whatever, that's not the case anymore. Go and check out all our news and our stuff, and it's fast. So yay, yay for yay. us. Yes. <laughs> so one thing I do want to mention is I uh, I really like this Venetian one hundred hour sit and go idea. Yeah. Uh, I think it is a creative solution to four handed poker because. Um, it's interesting. I've been watching people talk about this. There are people that are really good at shorthanded who have said the, that they've enjoyed the forehanded because it's kind of how it is. Overnight games are forehanded, right? Right. But that again, I think that's a very small minority of players. But I can see more players feel comfortable playing forehanded in a tournament um, structure than they can in a cash game structure, especially a winner take all, hundred hour sit and go. Where you know you win a couple of them and then you 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 made up uh, you're up for the day. So because I really 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 miss our old <laughs> single days here in Florida. Remember when yeah. we used to go to like Silks or down to Sarasota and and play those six hundred hour six handed singles. I could do those all day long and then they disappeared. And um, now you now you guys sit in a four hour tournament if you want to play tournament or play cash and. So, you know, if that kind of stuff comes back because of this, that will be I, I would be happy about that. So uh, obviously four handed is not fantastic, but um, but I could see myself sitting in a four handed sit and go way more than I could see me sitting in a four handed one two no limit game. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a winner take all. I didn't see the details on it. I assume it is. I mean it's four handed. I mean I can't imagine you can do anything else with that. I mean six handed it's two winners, so I, I assume it's gonna be otherwise, I mean I don't know how you'd make any money off it because um, obviously there's rake involved, right? So right. you know, you have to Well, let's it. let's just think about it for a second. So if it's a hundred dollars, it's four hundred dollars in the middle, right? If you paid uh, three hundred, one hundred you know, so if you made it like a hundred dollars and you make it a twenty five dollar race at one twenty five. Right, but I mean you you can basically make it, sure but. the person gets their money back. You take ten bucks out of it, you make it a hundred and ten dollar entry fee, so they get their forty dollar rake, and then you get seventy five or uh, three hundred and a hundred. One guy gets his money back, one guy gets three times his money, which is basically what singles are anyway, three times your money, sometimes a little more, but that wouldn't be too bad either if it wasn't winner take all. So that way all you gotta do is beat two people. You know, get heads yeah, up and you win. Okay. I would imagine most players would want to play winner take all just so you can make some money off of them. But um, but yeah, your way would generate players yeah. and keep players in the game more often. So yeah, you only yeah. have to you only have to do is make the final two. So I mean, then you get your money back at least. So um, but, but then I also think see. about this too. From a I mean, a four handed sit and go. I don't know how long that would last. It wouldn't take a, an hour like normal sit and goes, right? So it's probably over quicker. Yeah. Um, yeah. 45 minutes maybe depending on what the structure is so um but you know again we're talking a 10 dollar rake which i think is probably fine i mean maybe it's 20 dollars, even if it's 20 dollar rake um now that's 80 bucks for 45 minutes i mean i guess you're at 20 bucks you're getting close to what you would or a poker room would generally make in an hour 
on the table. Yeah, I don't know if players are excited about an eighty plus twenty sit and go. So, so if you're at a ninety plus ten, which seems to be more player friendly, now you're talking forty dollars for forty five, and that's nowhere near what a poker room would make. So, so maybe it's eighty five fifteen. Maybe that's 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 the sweet spot to make it both workable for players and, and poker rooms. I don't know, but. Um, it, it's it's tough. It, it just shows the economics of why this isn't sustainable for a poker room to, to offer four handed. Um, and same with same with cash games with the rake. I mean, they've gone to time rake. So even a time rake at you know six bucks a half an hour. You know, well twelve dollars an hour times four would be forty eight dollars an hour. So if they had to, yeah. seven handed, it'd be almost less than a hundred. But hundred dollars an hour is more than they get for that sit and go. So I don't think they'd have a problem charging. If it was uh, one twenty, you know, hundred plus twenty right. or something, then it's eighty dollars an hour. They're making but way less. Than they six hour, half an hour, four handed. So now that's twelve dollars an hour times four. That's forty eight dollars. So, you know, uh, six times four. Yeah, forty. Yeah, forty eight dollars an hour. Yeah, you're right. So, but I didn't yeah. know when you said they opened up that plate. Oh yeah, so some of them are up seven handed, but they're only four handed. So no, yeah. I'm just talking about the four handed. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. yeah. Once seven handed are, are going to do all right, I think it's the four handed ones. Yeah, you're right. Should all be worried about because that's that's what the regulation in Nevada is, and that's what some other um, poker rooms are looking at too. Who you know just tried from social distancing standpoint. So, yeah. so just keep that in mind as a player is that you know you got to pay casinos have to pay the lights and the you know their employees and stuff. So at four handed you're looking at fifty percent, generally speaking, fifty yeah. percent revenue at the same time than you had before <laughs> with the full ring game. So. That's that's how dramatic that is. So, all right. Sorry. Any updates? Papes, the Antiup fans' free online tournament series on PokerStars Play Money site is available everywhere. Details on how to join can be found at bit.ly/papes. P-A-I-P-S. Games are on the sixth, sixteenth, and twenty-sixth every month and rotate disciplines with the main tournament followed by a second chance event. PokerStars lets you claim fifteen thousand free chips every four hours. Join the Annie Up Fans group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call to four questions, or just discuss anything poker. Check out our 11 vintage Annie Up logo designs on merchandise at AnnieUpMagazine.com slash shop. Buy t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, phone and laptop cases, coffee and drink mugs, and more with your choice of Annie Up Magazine, Annie Up PokerCast, Annie Up PokerTour logos. If you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or post in the Antiup Fans group on Facebook. And you can now listen to Antiup on Spotify, so check us out if uh, there if it's a service you use. So, you know, just under the wire, we got on Spotify with a few months left of the show, so it was really good that we did that. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, we, we applied to be on Spotify before because one of our listeners contacted us and said, hey, I'm changing over to Spotify. Can you guys... You know, put your stuff on there, and I'm like, we are on there. So I'm like, what the heck? So I went and checked. I had an account, and they're like, okay, let's submit your podcast. And I'm like, I did this already. <laughs> so I don't know why we weren't on there already, but uh, I got the approval. I took a screen grab of it to make sure, and uh, it said we were on. So we're on Spotify now, just in time for the finish line. Uh, each week we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at antiantmagazine.com and uh, if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we'll send them something cool. It comes from Jonathan Ottenbacher. It says, first, how to deal with players who say online is rigged. Uh, our local home game have been playing on PokerStars for free. A couple of people whined about it being rigged, obviously, after they lost some cooler situations. I didn't think too much of it at the time. People whine about the dealer when they get sucked out on in live games all the time, too. 
However, at least someone must have really complained enough to the organizer that the organizer paid for a different online host, which I had never previously heard of, and moved our games to that. Now, because of this idiot whining, we are actually at an increased risk of our poker being rigged. The smaller host is much more likely to have some sort of super user hack out there than poker stars, the latter of which has much more money and incentive to combat cheaters and ensure fairly random card selection. I didn't think anyone was actually dumb enough to really believe online is rigged or the dealer is stacking the deck against them in live. Uh, against them live. Uh, there's too little benefit and too much risk of the site getting shut down or the dealer losing his or her job. Why would PokerStars care who wins money in its Play Money home games? Not to mention it would actually take more computer coding to ensure that coolers occur than to simply create random cards. But obviously at least someone in our group believed it enough to actually increase our risk by forcing our organizer to move to a second tier host. Of course, some people are still whining about online poker being rigged on the news site. I don't want the organizer to pay for and have to move to another host, which would likely be even smaller and therefore even more insecure. So how can I convince these people online is not rigged? You can't. <laughs> There's no way. People believe Bigfoot's out there, too. Yeah, so, I mean, what I told him, I'm like, really, this is something where the host needs to take a stand and and just say, hey... Uh, I understand your concerns, but uh, there's nothing to back it up, and you know we're going to keep moving to different sites, and you're going to keep complaining about it because you're not winning. Uh, and so, I can't keep doing that as the host. So you have two choices: you have a choice of playing on whatever site we're playing on, or waiting until we can have our home games live again. And that's tough, I know, but. It, that's sometimes the tough things you got to do to maintain the game for everyone, right? right? So that's really what's going on here. I think trying to go after this person and try to explain to him how online poker is not rigged, uh, especially as he mentioned in the play money private home game, yeah. uh, is you're just going to be beating your head against the wall. I mean, those folks just are not going to uh, ever understand what's going on, right? So... You just need to eliminate them from the equation so the rest of you can continue to play correctly. Uh, I, w I wish there was another answer, and maybe somebody else out there has a better answer, but uh, I, that, that seems to me the best solution here. I, uh, you know, we both had our little, we've always talked about this on the show in the past, and even back in the day when we were still at the Times and we would start up the whole, like I would write a blog post about saying, this is just too coincidental, this is ridiculous, you know. But I mean, it's most. Most of the people don't understand just how fast you're getting hands at a thing, and so you're seeing so many hands that the actual odds of things happening are being fulfilled. Right. And, you know, that's the way it goes. And if they can't understand odds, and I mean, it does, it does seem remarkable when you see it. You know, I can't tell you how many holes are in the sheetrock in my bedroom from me getting sucked out on with a <laughs> straight flush when I had the ace high flush on the river. So. I mean, it happens, but it's just, you just have to accept it. And especially play money. Give me a break. I mean, it's a play money site. What are they gaining from it? How, how does explain, have them explain to you what you did already, I think, but how do they benefit from having it be rigged for a person, from a person that they don't know for play chips? It doesn't benefit them at all. At all. It doesn't benefit them for real chips either. You know, they're getting tons of rake from you for doing nothing anyway. What do they need you to, not tons of rake, but they're getting rake. Well, what's the difference? I don't see how they it's rigged against you as a player. And so it's a shame that 
that guy piped up so much that it put so much pressure on the host to do that. It's it's ridiculous. Squeaky wheel, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing about uh, this that you have to understand is it's just an inherent lack of trust in things that people can't see, right? Yeah. So when you're yeah. playing live at a poker table, you feel more confident that the game is on the up and up because you're watching the dealer deal the cards. Um, and so everything is in front of you. When it's on a computer, you're not seeing that. You know, this is the reason we have conspiracy theories out there, right? Because you don't see it, so then you allow your mind to believe that there's something going on yeah. behind the curtain, um, and that just adds to it. So um, I'm actually uh, kind of surprised now. I'm thinking about it that there are not more people complain about the the shuffle masters because I mean, right. that's the same thing, right? You know, you put put a deck in and you take a deck out and you deal it. So what's going on? What are the little guys inside that shuffle that I do into my cards when <laughs> they're in there, right? <laughs> But it's the same thing because now you've taken. I mean, before you can sit there and watch a dealer actually shuffle, and not to say that dealers can't, you know, mechanic the cards. We saw Worm on Rounders do it, right? So, yeah. um, and Pen Pen and Gillette will show you all time how to do it. Right. But you're still more comfortable, right? But but as soon as you put in that little machine, then uh, I have heard a couple people complain and whine about it, but but not to the extent of that online. But but that's really. I mean, I think if you're trying to get into somebody's head on it. That's something you got to remember is that uh, there is a le- an inherent lack of trust for some people and things they can't see. So, yeah, yeah I don't think you're ever going to convince that specific person, but it's just remarkable. Hey, you know what? We get to complete O'Malley's move today. Here comes part one. We'll see you on the other side. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are playing $1, $2, No Limit Hold'em at our regular casino cash game. We've been playing for roughly three hours and have doubled up to 400. The game is nine-handed. The blinds post, the under the gun, and plus one fold, and we're in the MP with the ace of diamonds, king of diamonds. I want to bet enough to get to a heads-up situation. We make it $15 to go. It gets folded around to the button. Who calls? The button seems to be a decent player. He's been here for about an hour and hasn't done anything too crazy. He bought in for 200 as well and currently has 500. We've only seen him show down two hands. One was ace-queen that he flopped a flush draw with and turned to straight, taking an opponent's stack on the river. The second was when his tens filled up against a flush on a four-spade board. The blinds fold, and with $30 in the pot, the flop is the king of hearts, seven of clubs, four of diamonds. This is a really good flop for our hand. We have top top on a safe board and a backdoor flush draw. We decide to lead out, definitely wanting a call. We make it $20 to go. Our opponent quickly puts in the $20. There's now $70 in the pot and the turn is the four of spades. I think we'd like to get some value. We make it $40 to go. Our opponent calls after a slight hesitation. There's now $150 in the pot and the river is the jack of spades. We count out a nice even 100 and slide it into the pot. Our opponent asks for a count. We tell him we have 225 left. He announces all in. So, we've got kings and fours with an ace kicker. This board isn't entirely scary. What's the move? All right, to me, our opponent's play is consistent with a flop set, flop two pair, or flop king that we have beat. We only have one of those three options beat, so I'm inclined to fold. 
But I do have the voice of a little poker geek, John Somsky, whispering in my ear, Chris. <laughs> almost the exact situation happened when the two of us were playing in Las Vegas a couple years ago, and I folded to, to my opponent. I told John what I had after I folded, and he said he probably would have called, and I admit this is probably why I suck at cash games. So don't ask me. I can go either way. Uh, well, I like your initial reaction, buddy. I think a flop set seems really likely here. You know, a decent player calls our raise pre-flop and then just calls on a safe board, no, no apparent draws, then calls again when the board pairs and comes alive at the end when we've committed to the pot. So sounds like 7-7. Seven, seven. Uh, I'm going to fold if I can. So I don't know, because I don't know. I, I can't remember how much money we had. I mean, so I, I said 400 or whatever. But if, uh, if we can fold here, I think we should. Here comes part two. Hello again. What could this be? He called a raise preflop, but didn't re-raise. Could that be Jax? Possibly. Would Ace-King have re-raised preflop? Possibly. I think Kings definitely re-raises preflop. There's really no kind of missed draw. Could he have sevens or fours? I'm at a loss here. I really don't know what to do. Had I stopped and thought about all the possibilities, I might have been able to come up with the right answer. However, I called pretty quickly and then was given the bad news as I heard him say, Ace-King is no good. He showed his sevens and raked in an enormous pot. We got played. Until next time, I'm Malcolm O'Malley saying sometimes you play a hand good and sometimes you play a hand bad. And others, you have no idea if it was good or bad. And everybody has a differing opinion. Was this good or bad? I hope to see you on the felt. Well, yeah, I wouldn't have called that river bet. Uh, aside from that, I have no criticism. Um, but here's one of the reasons we love and hate poker. Sets are always a possibility, right? Yeah. Um, but we also can't be scared of the monsters around the bed. So I, I really do think about that a lot, that every time you look at a hand, you start analyzing, you've got to consider a set is out there, right? But then at the same time, if you always think a set's out there, you're never going to win because you're going to fold everything, right? Yeah, you never make money. Unless you flopped a straight or a flush or, or a good draw to it. So that's what makes poker really exciting, I think, for me, is, is that that – that there's that edge, right? There's always that risk that my ace king is getting beat by a set of sevens, and you have to be consider that even if you decide that you, it's not really worth it. Yeah, I mean, I was glad that I kind of called the hand there, but uh, I feel bad for Mal, um, and I don't think I could have made that call. I just don't think I could have. I think I I do fold there, so that's a shame. But yeah, those <laughs> sets are are hard to detect, detect, but when it seems obvious, gotta, that's why you replay the hand always in your head as it goes along from street to street. You know, you, does the set make sense there? Yeah. Can I beat one out of three hands? I don't think it's worth the call here. I'm folding. I'll tell you, it really did bring back that uh, John Somsky thing because, you know, I, I don't, again, I don't play cash very often or, or cash no limit, I mean, very often. And I rarely play it with friends where I can, you know, who watch my play and then we can talk about it later. And that was um, a real good education for me that day we played in, in Vegas. And, um, you know, so I did. I told him, like, oh, hey, I, at that point when the guy made the big bet on the end, I got top, top. I don't think I can beat that. And then he, he looked at me like, oof, wow. <laughs> He's like, I really think I would have called. And then I'm like, wow, really? So then he started thinking about it. And I'm like, maybe I, the reason I don't do so well in cash is I'm too tight. Um, yeah. And people make plays yeah. like that. But, uh, of course, O'Malley proved otherwise here. So <laughs> I tell you, it, it's when you really know whether or not you're good or not. When you talk to somebody who is good, and you just feel like an idiot, you know? And I'm not saying that's what the conversation was between you and John, but... Oh, like, I definitely feel like an idiot, so... Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> when we go, when we play poker, generally, when you and I have gone and played, whether it was at a casino or on the ship or something, generally, I win. I don't generally come home a loser or whatever. Or So, 
I've always felt like, oh, I'm pretty good at this. Maybe I could be decent at it. But I knew I couldn't be a professional because I know I don't know enough. But then you sit down next to like a Brent Philbin. Yep. And he sits next to you. He's our columnist and our longtime friend from the, sh- the ships and all that stuff. But he sits down next to you and then you make a play and then later on you say something to him. And all of a sudden you realize that you're, you're dumb as a box of rocks. Yeah. <laughs> and this guy, I mean, he, he, and he's doing it instantly in his head. All of the possibilities, all the scenarios, all the reasons why. And you're just like, what am I doing? I, I should just take up cricket or something. Why am I playing this game? And so it's tough. I mean, it makes me feel good when I can call a hand like that one with O'Malley and stuff. But at the same time, there's an easy, easy chance that you, he did have that third hand that you were talking about that we beat. And you just didn't do it right. You didn't come up with all the proper, whether it's the math or the scenario or whatever. And there's just so much to this game. And, you know, that, that stupid thing that they used to say before the World Poker Tour show all the time about a lifetime to master. It, it's yep. true. You'll never master this game. And so it, it can be frustrating. Um, but, yeah, I don't, I don't think very many successful players play cash games tight. I mean, I, I think you can't be too loose but I, if you don't know what you're doing. But, yep. uh, yeah, it's tough to be successful in cash by just treating it like, like a, a tournament. You know, you have to be you have to be willing to make a call in the end and dip into your pocket if you're wrong and use that information. But um, I agree with you. I, I I used to think I was pretty decent at this game, and then then you just sit down next to people who really are decent at the game, and you just realize, wow. Just from now on, no more enter, no more entertaining thoughts of becoming professional at poker. You know, just make sure you you prove to yourself that it's entertainment because if, if you treat it any other way. You're just going to be disappointed and, and go broke. So uh, I don't know where we got this lesson from in O'Malley's move, but I'm glad we talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, it's time for the advancedpokertrain.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast.antiopmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And we have a situation this week, Chris, from Vincent uh for Rigno. For Rigno. Yeah, like wow. Lou, like the, like the Hulk. Yeah, yeah, talking about like the Hulk. Yeah, I always like to listen to our show after I met him at uh, the Albany Airport. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't need to write anything so, down, right? You said it's a situation. I could just absorb it. Yeah, I'm just going to read through the very short email here, and we will talk about what uh, Vincent should have should not have done. Okay, good. All right, he says it's a three-table rebuy multi-table tournament down to 18 players after the first break, so there's no more rebuys, so it's a freeze-out at this point. And this is at uh, one of the Houston Poker Clubs. Uh, the level, we're at 600-1,200, and they use a big blind ante here. And our hero has squiggly 70K left. Um, all right, the chip leader in middle position um, uh, with 150K raises to 2,500. The button, who is loose aggressive, calls. Uh, and we call with the king of clubs, nine of clubs, in the big blind again, remember? Mm-hmm. Flop is the eight of clubs, seven of spades, five of clubs. We check. Uh, the middle position player uh, bets 15000 into that pot of 9300 And the button goes all in for 33000 And he wants to know what is our play here. Well, this is one of the situations where it depends on what kind of player you are when you have a big stack or what kind of player you are when you're short stack that kind of thing because this is an opportunity maybe to get a huge stack 
but you could also be drawing to second best hand and somebody has that ace that's why you shoved so in my mind it's too early in the tournament because if you're playing a three hand a three table game a tournament that means they're probably paying maybe five or six spots I don't think they play the final table of three table things so maybe even three spots I know the first tournament I ever entered uh, when I went to Derby Lane and won it it was a 30 player turbo and they played they paid three spots I think maybe four so if you're an eight you have 18 people left this is not the time where I'm going to be taking a chance on the second best hand and a shove which I don't know if that shove covered us or not I don't know if that all in shove covered us or not uh, no, no. It uh, we had seventy k to start with, so we put twenty five hundred in. So we were at what about sixty, sixty seven five, right? But we still have the guy who has us doubled, the middle position player who has us covered. So yeah. if we called, then he calls y'all, and he has the ace ten of duck clubs or whatever it is. So I think I, I think I let this go. I mean, I yeah. I mean, essentially, the question comes down is the the bet to us is more than half of our remaining stack. Yeah. But then again, you don't know if the other guy is going to now shove behind you. Right. And then but now you're looking at your whole stack. Just, that, just the bet that we're facing is enough to get me out of this. Yeah, me too. I think so. I mean, because, I mean, you, you, you mentioned this too. I mean, we don't, again, we don't know the payouts, but three tables. So, I mean, they're probably paying at most five spots, I would think. Yeah. So, and uh, we've got at least 13 more players to go before we get to the money. Um, and of course, obviously, you're always trying to win, but and if you win this pot, you're going to be in a really good spot, uh, regardless of whether the other player comes along or not. Um, uh, the fact that he's uh, bet twice though would make me think that he's interested in this pot as well, too, right? So, um, so, uh, but we're we're on a draw right now. I mean, there's two draws here. Obviously, we had the clubs, and then we also have that that gut shot straight. Um, but we're on a draw right now, so at this point, you're going to call off half our stack on a on a draw this with this much play left in the tournament when our stack is still pretty significant. You know, we are at what round 58 big blinds before this started, so we got a lot of play left. Um, you're going to have to make plays like this later in the tournament, as you mentioned. But th- this is we're not to that point yet, so. I would I would much rather be in a situation where one I'm driving the action. I mean, you always remember that. I mean, it's different if you, we were the one making the bet here rather than calling. Yeah. Um, and then so I mean I, again you're not drilling to the nuts on this either. So you know if you hit your card as you mentioned, you know you could be up against somebody with the the uh, ace of clubs with another club in the hand, and then you're hoping for other cards. So. Uh, just just seems like I need to get out of this. This is just not a good spot in this tournament at this point. No, I agree. Plus, like, let's say the guy who raised preflop has aces, and he was that's why he bet so much after the flop because he's trying to dissuade anyone from drawing to the straight or the flush. So now even your king's not good if you hit it. And then the guy who shoved, how many times have we seen people shove on a flush draw? And they, yeah. if he comes as a preflop raise, somebody calls with a suited ace. Of course they call it a suited ace because they know that you probably have aces or ace king or kings and you're hoping to hit your flush and then take someone's stack because they think their top top is good so you could very easily be faced with an over pair to your king and then the nut flush draw to your second nut flush draw and so you have to hit the, sh- the gutter straight so now are you going to call off half your stack your stack stack just to hit uh four outer 
No, because that's the only hand that you think you possibly know you could win with, that you know would be good if you hit it. The other ones you don't know for sure. So in this situation, like you said, that's enough of a bet to make me think, I still got this big stack behind me. And, you know, we're still early enough in this tournament that I can't afford to have this huge stack. I mean, if you have enough time, then you might think, okay, but you have no idea if this guy behind you is going to now come over the top and reshove. And now you're going to commit the rest of your stack on the second nut flush draw. That and you're going to have to. I mean, let's say you call the 33k here. You, you and then he, the other guy shoves. You, you you're going to have to. At that yeah. Point. You're give away more than half your stack. More than half your stack. Can... Exactly. Exactly. So I I can see myself just letting it go. I'd be frustrated. It'd be one of those tournaments where I'm just like every time I try to make a move or every time I try to make a hand or something, I get upset and it, it'd be frustrating. But it's the, I think it's the right move to let it go. You know, of course, now Brent Philbin could come in and say, "No, you haven't considered all of these things," and then tell me I'm an idiot. So I don't know, but in this case, I think I'm right, and you're right too. I think we need to fold. All right, so that's what our hero did do, and uh, he said the uh, the middle position player who'd been leading action had the ten of diamonds, ten of hearts, hmm. and then the player who went all in for thirty three k had the ace of diamonds, eight of hearts. <laughs> He said uh, to be results-oriented, the turn was the queen of clubs, and the river was the deuce of spades, and we would have tripled up. Uh, he says, I find I don't I don't accumulate ships in middle stages. I don't know if these folds were what was holding me back from getting a good stack. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that's a problem that everybody, uh, not everybody, but most players have, right? It's, it's easier to play beginning stages of the tournament when you have a lot of chips, and the bets are smaller, right? Um, you can afford to lose a couple pots and it doesn't hurt you, so you can speculate a little bit more. And then it's easier to play the end tournament at the end game of the tournament because your options are limited at depending on what your stacks are. I mean you're you know, a lot of times you're in shove or fold or close to it, right? So it's the middle stages where you really struggle and I think that's where the best players really um uh do their best work. Um and if you talk, you know, obviously a lot of pros were saying when the Annie's kicked in is really when you when you start accumulating chips. And of course, the big blind Annie things have changed with that. But so yeah, I think you do have to figure out how to play those middle uh, stages of the tournament better. But I don't think taking big chances like this one. And this was a big chance. I think. I mean, obviously, it would have worked out because we know how it worked out. But um that that's not the way to do it i think is to be more aggressive in position and in spots where you are pushing the action is really what you need to be doing the only thing that i could say to make this different in this situation would have been to reshove and hope if you got a good read on the first guy who overbet the pot when he bet after the flop if you can get him to lay it down then you know that you're going heads up against somebody who you said i think he said in the description was a little loose so, yeah, the button's loose aggressive. Yeah, so, so if he's kind of loose and maybe he's not doing that with a suited ace, which we found out he wasn't, he was just doing some random ace that wasn't even the club. So I mean, the only thing I can think of is... Or he was doing a top pair. Top. Yeah, I mean, I mean, top pair, but I mean, he didn't come into the pot with a suited ace. So no, no, no. I think uh, maybe if you had a really good read on the first guy as well as you did on the second guy, maybe you think, okay, this guy had like an under pair or something and he was just trying to protect his hand or make it look like he had a big hand, whatever it was. If you thought that your shove would make him fold, then you're going up heads up against the other guy for half your stack, and if you lost it, then whatever. Because also, you said he would have tripled up, but that's only if he had reshoved. Right. And he couldn't have tripled up because the other guy had less money than him, so he would have made a decent amount of money if only the other guy called. 
Um, and I think there's a case to be made that that first player doesn't call if we show up there. Yeah. At that point, he's just got an overpair. Um, and so at that point, he's got to put somebody on a, on a set, I think, at least, or two pair or a straight or any of those combinations. So yeah. I, I think that first player gets out if we show um, If that happens, then that's probably the best outcome for you because now you're looking at preserving half your stack but you just don't know what that guy has. He could have easily... The scenario I described easily could have been aces. You know, he raises preflop. Like, you're supposed to do with aces. Just because you're not in first and second position doesn't mean you don't get dealt aces in the middle position. So he raises like he's supposed to. He gets two callers, so now he's kind of bummed because he really only wants one caller. And the flop comes all unders, but coordinated, so he's going to overbet to keep you from, from trying to draw at a cheap price. So he could have had aces anyway. So I really don't even know if that move is right anyway because you try to reach up and the guy has aces and he calls you. Now, of course, you would have hit the queen, but you don't know that. If everything, all being things being square and in a vacuum, you don't know what you would have done there. You could have easily lost that hand. So I just don't beat yourself up over it. Usually, whenever somebody sends a hand of the week that they don't play to the end, it's always that they would have won it and they want to know what to do wrong. And I, don't, I just don't think you did anything wrong there. No, no. Listen, another good show. Hope everybody stays safe out there. And, of course, next week we'll have more reopenings for you. I'm Chris Gazenza. And I'm Scott Long. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise... Send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.